Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. This week I've got a multi-part episode with Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies podcast. This is part two. In this section we mostly talk about Henry Ruggs, also a little bit about the Combine, and trying to gauge how players evolve into the NFL in terms of the role that they played in college versus the role that they can play in the NFL or we think they can play. And also um, some interesting thoughts about how different landing spots could be better or worse for different players based on how well they showed out in college. But again, the overall theme is mostly Henry Ruggs. Yes, no. What are the arguments for and against him um, from an analytics perspective, me, and from more from a tape perspective with Zach Reed. So thanks again for checking us out. I'm just going to bleed right into the rest of the interview. Um, hope you enjoy it. Thanks very much. Let us know on Twitter if you enjoyed it or didn't. At PA Howdy or at Tacit Assassin Thirteen. Thanks. Um, well, I they- do react rather strongly because um, I think it's Chris Christopher. I forget his uh, Twitter handle. Um, Wooey the Woo artist. I believe you, up, dude. Uh, yeah, I know you, but like, yeah, Chris Bean uh, at Christopher oh, Bean. Okay, um, I'm with you now. He, I enjoy talking to him a lot, but I think it's him that mentions every day that every year that like um. The fantasy douche, douche, who I don't think I ever had the pleasure of knowing, although he sounds awesome, used to say the exact same thing, that talent at the elite level is pretty much uh, even. I've always reacted really strongly to that because once you're dealing with a smaller group, you can create a bell curve, essentially. And you've got DeAndre Hopkins in the center, and we've got other people at either end. There is talent differential. But I do, when you you decrease the uh, context there, yeah, <laughs> right. That is relatively even, um, to some level. Uh, so you know, I, well, I still fight with them about that. And then, but, but then, then to me, then to me, you start identifying uh, how how they win, and and that that that's where to me. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack it back to film, but that that to me is no, where film film becomes important to me because I want to know how a player wins and especially for fantasy because I, I know you want to you want to talk about uh Henry Ruggs and 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 kind <laughs> of yeah well his his stuff. his comp I mean he just ran a 427 and and there are a lot of people that are really high on him and I think the NFL will probably be really high on him because we've seen this track record of 
John Ross going high and um, the the kid that went to Kansas City last year, McCall Hardman went went highly, and and the the speed is a skill that the NFL or trait that the NFL is looking for now. But does that necessarily translate for fantasy football? Because there is a difference between producing for fantasy and being a, a viable NFL asset. And I think that gets missed an awful lot with a guy like Ruggs because people will watch his film and they'll they'll see the three plays that he gets a, a free release off the line and ends up with a 60-yard touchdown catch, and that's great. But that's three plays. Mm. If you watch the rest of the plays that he makes, like it, it really – like I see him struggle – and and I see his speed not be instantaneous, even though he ran a four two seven. Like that initial get off when he is on the line of scrimmage is one two three four steps before he's even going forward, which is a little different than than you know sitting there and getting lined up in the in the blocks and taking off for a forty yard dash. And and so like I'm seeing things like that. Uh, I, I'm seeing him get bumped off routes. And I'm also seeing him being this deep threat where how many Deshaun Jacksons are there out there in the NFL producing for your fantasy team? Right. I would argue there probably aren't as many as there are uh, guys who get down the field and stretch that field out for players underneath. And that's very valuable. I mean, even, even Hollywood Brown this past year, like he was – fine as a rookie but i think the the biggest part of his production was clearing things out so somebody like mark andrews can can eat underneath mm. and and so i think that's the big thing that that we miss with the context and and you know uh, film, uh, like especially film like I, i'm i'm going to i'm going to cannibalize i'm going to attack my own people for a minute because the 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 metrics say and and you'll be able to articulate this better than I am, but the metrics essentially say Henry Ruggs uh, did not earn much uh, at Alabama. And I get that. And then actually, I think it's Chris that keeps saying that, that even the top three receivers at Alabama didn't earn much. He said, there's a, there's a Julio Jones size gap in, in the targets that they didn't, they didn't take. And, and so Look, is Ruggs going to be an NFL player who is going to be good for his NFL team? I think he is because he's very fast and he can he can run down the field and and bring a defender with him. Is he going to produce for your fantasy team? Maybe every couple of weeks he catches one. But that's right. not, you know, that's not somebody that I'm going to bet on especially in the first round of a rookie draft. Like I'm a- I'm probably going to have this conversation a lot <laughs> and, and uh, never enough time. And I'm not good at shrinking down my points to some easily said soundbite. I'm just not. And so I'm never going to be able to get it out. And, uh, well, hopefully people can find it for themselves, <laughs> but I do want to have an expanded conversation on this because look, especially right now, like I'm not joking when I say eventually I'm just like, okay, we've got to, Stop being uncertain. You've, you've just got to make calls. And um, because frankly, I think half of the fun of this is getting it right and wrong. And yeah. half the fun why people might follow us or be generous enough to donate to Patreon is they want people to be right and wrong. They want to be able to laugh or celebrate with you. They always want to be on the right side of it. They don't want <laughs> to be on the wrong side of it when you, you, you're the opposite way. But 
Um, and I love that. I love doing it. So I definitely want to provide it. So at some point, I've got to say I like or hate Henry Ruggs. You know, the Matthew Berry chick. It's not. We all accept there's a, we don't actually either. We understand there's variance, but I need to be able to laugh or cry with you when it happens, right? So at some right. point you have to draw that line. But while I'm still here, guys, I even put out a tweet the other day and it was not, I know, rare, sarcasm. It was not shade. It was like, look, I want to have a good argument about Henry Ruggs, especially before I leave this phase and I'm just making my side of the argument. I'm not also telling you, hey, there's a secret thing here. You can, you know, you should point this out about my argument. And and because I want to learn about from Henry Ruggs. And I think the first one of the first things I've done is like the like the first thought I had when I was really I'm really trying to understand Henry Ruggs and where it's coming from is don't think about John Roth. For a start, we don't know about John Roth. He, he has not played in the NFL significantly. Maybe he's great. So, I mean, just the fact that that is uncertain, he is not proof of anything yet. We didn't see him, we haven't seen him be in the NFL, really, to a significant degree. And so he's like, he's just the worst example, just because he compares and, you know, the fastest in a class. It's like, he bears no relationship. And also what I hear is, like, I don't hear a lot of John Ross comparisons from the way he's playing. And I don't, and the other, my next thought is, just because a guy is fast, like, in the same way, I don't want to stereotype, I guess, a 4-5 guy as not being able to go down the field, because that's incorrect. I don't want to stereotype a, a, a down-the-hill, a fast player as Tyreek Hill. Like, that's just, and I think if you start off with that thought, you're going off in the wrong direction. So I tried pushing all that shit aside and honestly looking at what the argument is. And despite having dismissed it already several different times, <laughs> there is value to acknowledging that three players producing 3.6%, I think it is, more than their conference average um, in market share of, uh, of production, basically. They're, they're, they're producing 3.6% uh, more than three players typically do on a team when grouped together. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when, once you look at the conference itself, it's actually significant. I can accept that. Um, and so I really started digging into the argument. I said um, exactly that, which before I'd used it as, as a dismissal, and said, that's the point. It's three doing above average. So maybe there is a little adjustment we can make. Now, I think if we get into a decent argument about it, the further you go into that, you still have to admit that in other examples where we've seen a above average uh, production crush like that, and we've seen higher production crushes with two players, um, the uh, the the good NFL players in that group were able to elevate. And the other thing I think that I've kind of got you on, if we get into a decent <laughs> argument, not an incorrect argument, like his production does not compare well to past good players. We're talking about this being an, if he's good, it's an individual situation that we haven't seen before. Like that's the only way this works that I can see. And I've looked at it honestly, trying to find, I don't want to be wrong. So I, I've honestly tried to dig in. He doesn't compare to someone said the other day, well, he compares well to Stefan Diggs uh, in his last year. No, in no <laughs> way does, does, does Ruggs compare in any way production wise to Stefan. Like, get it out your head. That's not the argument. It's not saying so he's not good. I'm not even trying to get there yet. I'm just trying to understand what we can actually say and not say and realistically. Um, so he, he doesn't compare well to past, but that's fine. Neither does Michael Thomas. Neither does, you know, extreme outliers, whatever. Right. 
that word is just so overused at this point. But <laughs> anyway, um, so digging into that, I was like, I think where I've got you is I don't hear Henry Ruggs is the best ever because Jerry Judy is going to be the best wide receiver prospect ever to enter the NFL. And I definitely don't hear that about Devontae Smith. And if you're buying into this, t- you kind of got to say that those other two guys who are above him on the depth chart also have to be significantly above that. Not, not Jarvis Sandra and Odell Beckham. They could be, I don't know, two middle of the road players you choose because you're probably going to hate my guys because I'm not comparing <laughs> speed scores. But like, like I think Kenny Dolliday is definitely a, a above average NFL player. I think expecting any Julio Jones elite out of him is bad. And I think the same thing with Robert Woods. These are incredible, especially when you consider the context that we were just talking about, uh, athletes and football players. But in context of the NFL, I think they're above average. They're great. Um, but they're never going to get to that higher tier of production, not them as individuals, obviously. Um, so you, even if you just go that level, right, with Devontae and Judy, then that makes a lot of sense. But if you're not thinking that then you still got to explain outside of all the other contexts, why was Henry Ruggs not significantly closer to those two? If those two aren't those guys, those type of guys. Right. And I'm not hearing that like something Chris, again, Christopher uh, said the other day, um, like people are putting them above Judy and that, that's fine mm. if that's where your evaluation is taking you. And like, honestly, I mean, draft them because you think they're more handsome. Do whatever you want. <laughs> but like the the argument that supports that he, he was low producing is this crunch. But that crunch should elevate Judy above rugs, at least, because they're in the exact same situation. And it's like they like everyone loves Judy. Um, and I think <laughs> that crunch is enough that the few little orange flags on his profile, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go after Judy this draft season when I finally take a fine myself and go love hate. Like, I'm not going to go on the hate side of Judy. There's enough there and enough people saying that the team was this and the team was that. I'm like, okay, Judy's Judy's close, so fine. But I can't get rugs over that. Like, it's a difference of, and I forget my numbers off the top of my head, but like, um, I think he, in his last year, he was 12% below the average for his age compared to good players. And I think Jerry Judy was literally like 3%, which meets well with that. And I don't know how to adjust that teammate score, by the way. Mm. Like, I don't know the calculation that would fairly elevate these guys. But I definitely don't think quadrupling it is probably the right way to go. <laughs> like, that seems extreme. And that's just to get him to like the average in that year. And it's not like everyone has to be at the average of all good players in that year. But that was his best year. And we're looking, can you give me one year that compares well to past prospects if we adjust? But otherwise, we're just adjusting till it makes sense. And this is getting really frustrating to me this year. It's like, we know this guy's good. I'm going to adjust these numbers till it makes sense. And there's a lot of that going around right now. And I'm like, not to be a nerd, but you need to prove (laughs) that it exists not it exists therefore i'll change the numbers I, to make that true i that's that's not even nerdery that's just that's that's just common sense i am that's like so it's cold outside but i feel warm therefore i'll write a hundred degrees <laughs> on all my therm- <laughs> thermostats like it doesn't work that way it's still cold i'm so uh, happy to hear <laughs> you say that peter like i like this has been a, kind of a, a a thing this this season especially there are a lot of uh analysts coming out of the woodwork with numbers and 
and adjusted numbers and adjusted numbers and adjusted numbers. I'm like, look, the reason why I follow people who who crunch the numbers and give me metrics is because it's objective. And once you start adjusting numbers to fit what you want to happen, you lose that objectivity or or even the the illusion of objectivity because I don't. I don't know how anyone can be 100% objective uh, no matter what. I don't think you can do it. I, I think the numbers are objective and as soon as you as soon as you add a person you're trying to you're trying to fit them somewhat but but this season has just been insane everything with, is adjusted like literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and and it's based on this player's good and that's yeah. that's that's the only problem with adjustments. Like weight adjusted and high adjusted speed score makes sense because we found a reason to do it. Like right. being big and running a four five is better than being small and running a four five in terms of how athletic you are. And that right. actually bears out true. So we do it, and then we find out about the player. It's not this player is good, so I'll adjust. And then I, I think I've got a way of like translate like a common thing that we i love to throw at film people and has constantly and accurately been thrown at film is if you see something that's just incredibly impressive and even like we were saying about the scale here the worst player in the nfl you go watch all of his college if it's available you're gonna see something that just blows your mind like how can a human being do that this is our brian and, edwards and show then with a one-hand catch see, and, and again, and so this creates by we observe it, and then maybe you're just a little more willing to forget. And like you were saying, looking for the repetitive nature of someone doing something is a way to a way to. But like I can, it's a human thing. Like this guy just did something amazing, a one hand catch, whatever. Yeah. And that's why you know we were joking earlier in the scene about one hand catch. That's that's really the only way I rank players, because I mean. I, Never get everyone a hand catch I've ever seen behind the head. Like, I want that player. And I understand it's a human thing to go, well, now he's slow off the line. But, you know, and you don't connect the two, but it's like, but this player's, you're already making that assumption. This player can do amazing things. So this doesn't matter as much as it would if I hadn't seen that. And you start, it just starts building up this little trend that sends you off course. You know, it's like this, um, I was going to make a boat metaphor there. Let's not go to sailing, shall we? Um, <laughs> So, and I think it's a common thing. I think it's a human thing. And it's no surprise what we find it in both. But we've been leveling it at tape forever. It's like you observe it spectacular. So therefore you carry it. Even if you're trying to be objective, we're, we're a subjective animal. We just have to admit that at this point. We need other people to fact check us. That's why well. you have peer review. If, if nothing else, you need someone else to, you know, it smells funny, dude. Maybe take another <laughs> look at that. <laughs> um, and we need multiple people to do it. And that's why tape people also you know, compare notes like i didn't see that dude and like i oh, really and so you reassess and and that's what adjusting that the numbers equivalent of that is this adjustment because it doesn't quite fit what we expected to see now some adjustments again we've been adjusting things and we try to adjust things to make them more accurate and identify players better but if you're doing it because of a player just Right there. Yeah. And that's what process means. I don't know why everyone's taking it to mean, but process is uh, literally the scientific method, right? <laughs> not, right. not, I, I'm going to find something that proves this. If you go looking for a conclusion, you are going to find it, whether it's <laughs> tape or numbers or, you know, your favorite grandmother's name. Oh, he's got it. He's obviously the best player. Then <laughs> you're going to find it <laughs> somewhere in the family history. Someone was called Mavis and you're like, ah, awesome. That guy. Hey, that um, was my great aunt. <laughs> I, I think 
And I think that's what all this adjusting is. And so I think that's an interesting cross, a crossroads, if you were, where you're finding the, the same problem on both sides, right? Where you're finding what you want to find, even without meaning to. This is not something people are doing consciously. But having said that, I'm still in my looking at rugs, honestly. And I don't believe, just as a general rule, learning from Jake, if anything, don't tell him that. But like <laughs> enough people tell you an, that someone's good you can't just go ah well he's not like this you and ray are the two tape people so far i've talked about him with it and both people have said i'm not seeing it it's mostly speed to say it bluntly that i can trust <laughs> and who's good at this that'll say more than that i'm like there's got to be something more like enough people make enough noise sometimes there's smoke and no fire a little inkling somewhere to get the smoke going and i can't seem to find it outside of his speed so that's frustrating like i want to believe there's something in the smoke because i don't want to miss this guy's going to go in the first round, probably to Drew Brees. I'm mean, like, fuck. <laughs> and so I don't want to miss. But but this is what I can say at this point. If him, um, Rago and CD Lamb go one, two, three in the draft, not going to happen, obviously. And the ending spots, land receivers I've ever seen in their life. So it's equal. Like uh, at this point, if we're talking, if everything else is equal, and a fade rugs that, over those three, yeah. I'm going to fade if he has a slightly worse situation, uh, Golden Gandy. And um, because, again, talking about likely, I, c- I can't find a reasonable reason to adjust him. I do believe the smoke, but no one can, I can't find. So I'm going to miss on him if it's there. Now, and, and again, dra- that's everything being equal in the draft, right? Uh, so there are ways I can escape this if. His production is honestly low, like Michael Thomas, the one time we've seen it, and maybe Terry McClellan, and maybe this is a Ohio situation. Um, but again, like there's not even precedence. The outlier precedence of an underproducer, and that's what Rugs is. Like I've got to do a what outliers look like with production video or podcast because there are very two, there are very much two clear streams of a way a player can look bad, and one's an underproducer. And now the reason that's interesting is it's the only place I can find exceptions, like extreme exceptions, like you late producers, um, like uh, you've got Brandon Marsh, Vincent Jackson, who came from community, so slightly different situation, but they have big last years and nothing else. And I'm like, well, at least they had big last years, even though I write off guys only with big last years every year, (laughs) because most of the time it doesn't work out. And so there are a few exceptions in the league, but they're from long ago. And Brandon Marshall had issues. I can normally make some kind of argument around him. But with the underproducers, the Michael made, and when you look at those guys, or even if you want, like there are some that are marginal, like may, may, maybe Will Fuller. I think he would have been good if he's healthy, right? I think that's a miss um, in terms of his overall average and peak production helped and peak late production at that matter. So maybe we can add him in, but. When you look at their situations, no one's saying, well, the third best guy is an NFL. Like, that wasn't the reason that the production missed. So there's no precedence to this. And I think, like, I want to have the actual argument, not before I, you know, (laughs) just start having the the final argument. Um, And and that's an issue as well. It's not just, say, who's an underproducer. It's that when we look at underproducers who we might NFL here, in fact, wasn't their situation for this idea, which is fine. But again, understand what we're talking about. It's something unique that's never happened before. So I'm going to fade towards the other shit. You, 
your uh, your approach to to rugs all, again although you're coming at it from a different direction and you're saying that it's the numbers and it's the underproduction and it's the the production compared to his teammates and the production you know the percentage of production for his entire team like that's that's what you're saying and and I'm saying that I watch Henry Ruggs and a lot of the players that uh, I've watched that do things similarly to to the way he does uh, have not been productive in the NFL and for fantasy. And so I'm fading Henry Ruggs because this is this is the way I see him, and this is how he wins, and this is where he doesn't succeed. And the places where he wins, again, are great for the NFL, but not great for my fantasy team. And so we're getting to the same point from two different roads. And that like that that gets me back to what I use uh, the 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 numbers guys, the 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 people like yourself who who um, crunch the numbers and and who present the numbers in a way that. Uh, a dummy like like myself can understand. So you know you and and Miguel and Kyle and Addison Hayes and George Criticos and like everybody, I mean, Frisco Josh like Josh Hermsmeyer like all like all of these people who are who are crunching numbers and and presenting numbers in a way that I can understand uh, help me with my process because if I arrive at the same place you do. Even though it's a different road, we still get to the same destination. That makes me feel better about things because I know that uh, the 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 people that I trust with analytics are doing the same thing. They're mitigating failure. You're making bets based on the best probability. Uh, you're not saying that uh, Henry Ruggs is a bust. Period. You're saying that Henry Ruggs's profile looks like a bust. And so I'm betting against Henry Ruggs and, and I'm willing to miss out and I'm doing the same thing. And it, it, when you arrive at a different conclusion than I do, that's when I go back and watch again. Uh, and I feel like that's an important piece of this whole thing. And, 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 I've been watching the the we have this every year the the analytics versus film and the debate and who's got it right and who's better and blah da 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 and everyone wants to be the best and everyone wants to have the greatest new metric and everyone wants to plant their flag and this is my guy and I saw him first and you know and really if you're you're cutting off your nose to spite your face if you're not paying attention to both sides of this because neither side has it exactly right. And I don't think there's a way to, even if you, even if you marry the two, I don't think there's a way to be, uh, well, I mean, you can't be a hundred percent accurate, but I like, I think you just, again, you're mitigating failure. You are taking, if, if your profile can, can say with uh, 30%, certainty i'll i'll air quote that again but like say say you <laughs> say you can you can you can give me a 30 percent better chance and my film can give me a 25 percent I'll, I'll i'll even i'll give you the extra 10 percent but like if together i'm gaining 
uh, you know, 10% or whatever that I'm gaining that over everybody else. And that to me is, is the, the importance of a knowing who you're listening to and B being able to, to, to marry the two. Right. I can, I can, if anyone wants it, I can give you the positive on Henry Ruggs. Um, in his last year, he was the wide receiver three for his team. Now, I measure that by how the percentage of yards he had for his team. So he's right. the third highest producing yards, basically. Um, based on the conference, so not measuring him next to the Big 12, and that's not as big a deal as some people make it out to be, but just in the conference, that's about four, three or four percent above a wide receiver three's production. So he was an significantly above average for that position on the depth chart. That's a positive. He was incredibly productive <laughs> for the number of players he was having and where he's playing. And now that kind of funny, but it, that sounds backhanded. Like, he's a good, like, he's a, a good bad player. Thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wide receiver three. Now he was twelve percent on his average compared to good players. Um, is below average is what I'm saying. So in his last year, which you know. Some people argue for the most important year. It's been considered the most important year for a long time. I tend to find the average more helpful. But um, anyway, um, th that is interesting. But you can't conference adjust that t too far. I again, like I said, I think people overrate that. The difference between like the Big 12 and the SEC with Ruggs and Judy, like the number one wide receiver average is like 2 or 3% higher market share. So it's not that there's such a difference in competition level for opportunity that we can adjust this 12%. Like that's right. just a little unreasonable. Um, but we can say for the role he was playing, and I've really been having a lot of luck with myself and that podcast. I think it is a good one. I don't hear much about what's good or bad on my podcast. No one uh, mentions it. So I thought it was good. But comparing, like, if we evaluated the NFL this way, right, you see how shitty, but also how definite some things are. Mm. Um, and so he here's what I'd say about the landing spot in the NFL with Henry Ruggs. And this is me trying to look for the fire. Um, I can't tell you if a high producer is... Um, Jamison Crowder or Robbie Anderson or Alan Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins. I can't tell you the difference just using market share. That's the ranking problems. I can tell you they're significantly better or worse on the team. And as a wide receiver three who is significantly better at that, and maybe wide receiver threes tend to be the downfield receiver. I think that's a stretch, but let's just say it. So let's say he's significantly above average playing the role he was playing. It's a stretch, but okay. Um, what I would say is based on the fact we can't adjust too much between conferences, that that looks like a player more like, I would guess, and this isn't, a, you know, I can't put a certainty on likelihood, but what it makes me think of is that Crowder and Robbie Anderson is another one uh, compared to Alan Robinson. Um, he's going to need a softer situation, not in terms of easier schedule or better quarterback, but in terms of level of competition for opportunity. Hmm. And so you almost want a worse team. I think that is all a stretch um, and we want good teams for good players and good quarterbacks. So mostly that's probably overlooking it, but it, I th does that sound reasonable? Like a guy can produce above average compared to most players needs a softer situation. Like we've seen signs from Crowder and Anderson in the NFL that they were good, 
They were just not good enough by themselves. And so when the situation becomes soft and they're the two best players by a clear wide margin, then suddenly they rack up the market share and they put up fantasy significant numbers, which they had shown signs of before, but on other depth charts where the situation wasn't as soft or as helpful because the Jets were throwing it around a little bit and that uh, they were able to suddenly have this high mark in the echelon last year with Alan Robinson and John Dre Hopkins in terms of percentage of team production. Yeah. So uh, I think right. not. I think, I, I think that checks out. I mean, I, I think that bad teams don't have as many good players. And so if you end up uh, as a decent player on a bad team, you're going to end up with, with targets. And, but I think the, as you sat there and, and, and talked about that, to me, the argument in my mind against rugs is if he was a number three uh, wide receiver on his team at Alabama, Okay, he goes to the NFL. Chances are he's going to be a number three in the NFL. I mean, just just because and and now you start to think about a twelve team fantasy league where you're starting three wide receivers. Well, how many wide receiver ones are there? Okay, there are thirty two. All right, so now we're at thirty two out of thirty six startable wide receivers. How many wide receivers? And you get three, three teams where the wide receiver two every year produces in yeah. the top twenty-four. Okay, so now, <laughs> so now you're at. Uh, You've even got you a know. smaller group, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, how <laughs> many wide receiver threes are going to be a player that you're going to plug in for your fantasy team? And are you going to spend a first-round pick on Henry Ruggs, who's going to be a wide receiver three in the NFL? When you can go after somebody, I mean, you you just mentioned Antonio Gandy Golden, but like somebody like that who, if you squint really hard, you could see a player, uh, you know that that is very good. That is a Kenny Kenny Galladay type player. That that big, prototypical, you know, X receiver who can go up and get it. You can. Why would you why would you spend a pick on a player like Henry Ruggs, even even though the NFL did? And, and I know like somebody uh somebody tweeted at me and it might have been uh Michael Zingoni Zingone Zing Zing I, I Zinger. can't yeah. Zing, the Zing, yeah. And, and and you know <laughs> he tweeted at me when I posted my ranks and I had Ruggs low. In fact, Ruggs is outside of my top 10 wide receivers. Uh, I got Michael Pittman above him. I've got uh, Brian Edwards and and Tyler Johnson. Uh, you know, I've got a, a lot of players above him. And he said, well, you're going to have to adjust when he when you see draft capital. And I said, maybe, but I don't – not much because he's not – that that profile is not a player that I want on my fantasy team. And – that's why I'm trying to make the positive argument for rugs because <laughs> I, I think what you said is just perfect. And that's normally where I go with it. Like a college team that might have NFL talent to yeah. a NFL team. <laughs> so yeah. talent. So yeah. that's what I, yeah. I, that's another way of looking at that weak team idea, because if you're going to profile more likely as a third wide receiver on some teams, the third wide receiver is the, the lead wide receiver actually, but like yeah. if you go to a weak team and now suddenly the wide receiver two is not NFL level talent or significantly less competition, then suddenly Ruggs isn't a wide receiver t- two for that team. He's a wide receiver two. And right. how about the wide receiver one? If you're on a bad team, 
that guy is easier to compete against. And so suddenly you're a 1B. And that's an easier path for someone that hasn't displayed being able to overcome talent in terms of the production for his team. And like he was just trying to draw out, it's not like those roles aren't valuable or those players aren't good, but we're looking for fantasy points and yards. And if you're getting share of what that team's putting up, even on a good offense, that's typically not overly relevant for an NFL team. Okay, that was part two, where me and Zach were talking about Henry Ruggs. Part three more bleeds into a broader conversation about um, other 2020 prospects and what we think about them um, at this point in the evaluation process. All right, see you in part three. Thanks again. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.